48-hour art check. Best of podcast. We go live Monday, Wednesday, Friday on YouTube. 9 p.m. California time, and you can join us there live in the chats or watch them later. You can always check things out at coreykerr.com slash 48HR. We take the best conversations from those live streams and rip them and put them into this podcast. Today's topic is belonging versus fitting in, also known as finding your tribe. The difference between being able to feel like you belong somewhere versus adapting yourself to fit in. And so um, the difference is if you if you feel like you're very comfortable in your in your home with your family, then then you feel like you belong there, right? Um, but if you feel like you need to change part of your personality or change or hide different aspects of who you are um, or change what you do um, to to feel like you have a sense of belonging, you won't actually belong, um, but you're seeking to fit in. And so I think the main difference between this is whether you are uh, being authentic to who you are and you found people who accept that or whether you are... Uh, adapting and changing who you are, um, changing your your identity to be able to conform, um, and and one will give you a lot of fulfillment, and the other um, will give you kind of immediate social gratification, but will feel empty. And the reason I bring this up on on this show, which seems a little a little odd, is I think that we can do this with our art. And, and there was a question on the last show, which is our, our centennial show, um, where we kind of opened it up to the chat to, pe- to, to people to throw out um, topics. And somebody asked, I think it was Samurai Ox, asked, um, what do you guys think about crowdsourcing ideas for artists? And the discussion that we had got me thinking about this topic because we talked about how that can be a great idea um, to kind of connect with your community and do that. But if you do that, uh, too much or do it in the wrong way, you can lose yourself in kind of tracing, chasing trends or trying to please the crowd rather than making what you feel like you want to make. And so it's kind of this age old argument. And I, and I don't think, um, I don't think it's about fan art, but I think fan art can fit in there if it's done in the right or the wrong way. And so I think it's kind of like one of those things where, if you are making art that you feel you authentically want to make, if you're writing the book that you want to write, if you're drawing the thing that you want to draw, then the people that accept that and are excited about that, you belong with them. But if you see popularity trends and you're tracing, you're chasing trending hashtags and you're seeing popular movies and you prepare a piece to come out you know, right as the movie hits to kind of capitalize on that. Um, and you're not really a fan of that piece, but you just think that it's going to be popular. You're trying to fit in. And so I was just curious kind of what, I mean, what, based on that, what kind of, uh, what kind of things come to mind as, as you're, as you hear me ramble for several minutes? Um, I mean, it, it's funny, but like there's a, one of my favorite quotes is from, um, almost famous and I'm probably going to botch the quote, but, uh, but it's like the only true currency in this world is, uh, 
that was his exchange with total nerds, <laughs> something <laughs> to that extent. Oh, uh, that that which was exchanged between two people who are uncool. Yes, and um, uh, like I I can definitely say there's a place for people who are kind of like seeking to fit in and kind of adapting their styles for sales and uh, adapting themselves for sales and stuff like that. And to an extent, you're going to have to do that kind of in the workforce or when you're doing freelance illustration. Um, we kind of touched on this before, but it's like if somebody's giving you their money, it you know, usually you're contractually obligated to, to draw what they're asking you to draw. And so, um, you know, that's, that's an exchange and that's definitely a situation where you're definitely trying to please that client. Um, however, I think when it comes to art and in general, just like my personality in general has never really vibed well with the striving to fit in thing. Um, because I just would never, I was never that good at it. Like I was never good at like faking, um, who I was. And so even at a really young age, um, I remember having these moments where I would try to be like other people and try to kind of fit in and then finally kind of exhaust myself, give up, sort of accept who I was. And, and it was usually in those moments where I kind of gave up, stopped trying, where I would kind of like find my tribe. And, uh, and, and by tribe, it's like, you know, just people who accepted me for who I was and how I was and for my interests and, um, for just, you know, a lot of, a lot of, um, like nerdy stuff that I was into, like reading books and like fantasy and comic books and yeah. drawing and skateboarding and like doing these things that were kind of like outsider things. And the weird thing is by embracing those kind of outsider things, um, I found that I gained acceptance, um, from even the larger, group that I was initially trying to impress in the first place. And, and by it's like kind of like by giving up and just sort of um, creating and being authentic to myself, like I'd, I'd find I found my tribe and in finding my tribe, it the tables kind of turn. And, and um, it, what, what's interesting is I, th I think that parallels the reason I'm bringing up my personal story is I think that parallels with art. Like I think, there are phases as an artist where you're trying to kind of please people. And I think that the, the point where you start actually building um, a lasting audience is like the point where you kind of give up on the trying to appease everyone and just trying to make the best thing you can in the realm that you want to make. I think that's where you find your voice. That's where you find your tribe and where you find like less anxiety too, because I think there's a lot of anxiety to trying to kind of pretend um, you're someone or your art is something that it's not. Yeah. And I think there's a beauty to just kind of embracing what it is and then finding your audience and finding your group and finding peers that have similar or differing in interests, but like will kind of get your back, you know, while you're making stuff. So, yeah. and honestly, that, like, honestly, yeah, Sorry. honestly, I think there's also a lot of anxiety in making the art that you feel like you should be making, but also not yet finding your tribe and, and belonging to a group. And so you feel like you're you're just shouting into the void and no one cares. So there's 
there's anxiety on both sides because I don't think it's necessarily a given that one day you're going to wake up. This hasn't been my experience, at least, and be like, you know what? Screw it. I'm just going to make what I want to make and, and do it to the best of my ability and show it to people. And then, you know, and then no one cares. And you're kind of like, oh, OK, well, you know, that can happen, too. And that sometimes that can happen for a while. Um, but the interesting thing is, and I've heard this over and over from, from other artists, uh, Sean Crystal is a great example of this. Uh, he, he, he's started and runs the Ink Pulp Audio podcast, which if you guys haven't yeah. listened to that, it's phenomenal. Um, but he, he said that he started very technical and then every once in a while he would just like let loose and go crazy with some really like loose, sketchy, dry brush. And, uh, and everybody on social media would like freak out and love it. And he's like, dude, seriously, that was just a sketch. And then he really started getting some kind of notoriety when he like gave into that. And that started becoming his production work when he was working on comics. And he started doing like, if you look at his early Deadpool stuff versus like his mother panic, um, that he did a little, a little later on, you can see some fairly significant difference. Um, And there's just a lot more energy in it. But he actually had to kind of let go of what he thought he should be doing. I mean, it's not like he was trying to be inauthentic, but he was chasing the should rather than yeah. kind of embracing what was what was inside and the artist that he was. And it was kind of an interesting journey to kind of watch him go through that. And, and, and I'll say this, the entire time, phenomenal art. It's it's not like it's not like the stuff that he made early on was bad. It was great. It looked it yeah. looked wonderful. Um, but there's there's a more depth of feeling and emotion in the line work. Um, more recently, when when he kind of flipped that switch and started to kind of let go, and he talks about all of that on his podcast. It's a really interesting journey to kind of watch him do that. Yeah, I think um, Scott in the chats kind of brings up something about why why people overreact to kind of like harsh critique or whatever is sometimes people are looking for a place to belong but they feel defensive when someone makes them try to fit in and uh and and he he brought up kind of like the the hundreds conversation that we we had um a couple i think on on the art casters where it was about um you know the enforcer on on their kind of telling people they had they have to follow the challenge in order to be in the challenge and then he said that's not really the situation but that's what comes to mind when when he uh thinks about it and i I will say like you know there's a difference between kind of um like for instance like uh like if i want to be a part of like the national cartoonist society or whatever that is me trying to join a group and there's certain things i have to do in order to get inducted to than CS or whatever, you know, like, yeah. and it's like you, you have to go through this application process. And then once you're, once you're accepted, you have to go through like an initiation ceremony and all this, all this cheesy stuff. And that's all because I actually liked that group. But, um, so, so what I'm trying to kind of distinguish with, and I'd say it's the same for the hundreds where it's like, there's parameters to that group, you know, but, um, you know, the, the question is like, is that a group that's, that's, that fits you or not? Cause if it's not a group that fits you, why would you want to be a part of it? You know? Um, I, I don't think there's anything wrong with joining groups. Mm-hmm. I just think that, um, often we're trying to chase groups or like, like Corey, like you were saying, like chase, uh, you know, the should 
and rather than chase what we actually want. Yeah. Um, or chase like what we actually know we should chase, like our own should, as opposed to like society should. And that's a big challenge for artists, like that whole kind of kind of navigating between shoulds. <laughs> yeah. Because there's a lot of societal expectation that um, that artists just aren't going to really live up to. Like, we're not going to be driving Beamers the majority of the time. There's a there's a small percentage of artists that are going to be living it up and living large and having large houses and stuff like that. But for the majority of us, you know, it's a it's a pretty like you know, um, it, it's a lower cost. It's a, it's a lower, um, income than bracket than a lot of people. And, um, and so like in a weird way, by making the decision to become an, an artist, especially an artist who does comics. And then if you're in like the weird boat, like, like, like I am, where it's like, you decide to do indie comics, um, you, you're, you're, gradually kind of lowering and working against kind of what a lot of society kind of teaches you to do. So it's a little bit of an act of like punk rock to make art and then make comic art is just even more punk rock because it's just even, it's even more of a subcategory. And then to make indie comics is even more punk rock because it's like, it's a category you know, that's, that's below a category where like even the guys at like the big two publishers scrape by to make a living. And then you get, you get down to indies and like fanographics books where like best sellers are pushing like two or 3000 copies. Like that's, that's not a, a, a hefty living, right. you know? So, so my only point is like, if, if you're wired to kind of go and chase the group, like, and by the group in this case, I mean, like, you know, society in general, like what, you know, um, most people are like, you know, not, I shouldn't say most people, but a lot of, you know, people in society, like they want to get rich, have a house, have a pool, have a big barbecue, you know, like have a big space where they can have Super Bowl parties and stuff like that. And, and that may not be the result. Um, when you choose to dedicate yourself to your craft. Um, so like just the choice of dedicating yourself to your craft might mean sacrificing, you know, some vacations or like, um, Corey and I, like often, you know, I'm not complaining because this is like, once again, like I was saying, this is a choice, but it's like Corey and I are doing art at a time where a lot of people are like spending family time or, um, or are winding down and watching movies, you know, like, yeah. and so there's, there's a sacrifice and there's a difference between the lifestyle of somebody doing art, especially personal projects, um, versus somebody not engaging in that. And so like, I guess what I'm getting at is like, um, to me, how this ties into this topic is like, if you're going to choose to kind of engage, um, understand like our tribe is a weird tribe like the art tribe is a weird tribe yeah. it's full of people who um you know like the business tribe is full of some people with failed businesses you know right. but the successes are like wild when when they when they succeed um you know each each tribe has kind of their own like thing their own struggles their own successes but just know like the art tribe is a weird tribe and then the comics tribe is an even weirder tribe the indie comics drive, you know, it just gets weirder. And, and the cool thing is 
um, only weird by the standard that's placed by the majority. And, and to me, I think the act of even choosing to be an artist is kind of deciding to not be in the majority. And, um, yeah. and I kind of like that about art. I've always liked that about art. I think that's what drew me to art was like, you know, not ev- everybody liked drawing in classes, but it just kind of started whittling out the older I got. Like it was just less and less people drawing. Um, and I think it's cause it's hard. And I think it's also cause some people just fell in love with it. <laughs> and I think a lot of those people are, tend to be sort of outsiders who think outside of that kind of thing and, and make decisions based on, um, more like more, more philosophically deep things than like, this is what everyone wants, you know? Yeah. And, and I think, I want to get to these comments in the chat because they're like super awesome and, and have triggered several stories that I want to tell. Um, but I think that you can be that in, in anything, you know, you, there's, there's a way to do that as a dentist, right? There's a way to do that as an accountant. There's a way to do that as a, as a woodworker. Um, and I think the way to do that is, is, an interesting thing because there's always a pull towards mediocrity and conformity in, in any industry and in any tribe and in any, whatever, there's always a pull to fit in, to abandon your calling and to fit in and to toe the line. And I think at any point in time, you can work in any field and do it your way, um, with a balance, right? Because, if I were to right now quit my job and say, screw the world, I'm going to do my own thing, um, based on the income I'm making off of my art, uh, I would I would starve and I would immediately have to get a, a job again, right? Um, but I'm able to do what is authentically true to myself because I'm also balancing that with, um, you know, doing some responsible some responsible things. And I think there's a different situation for everyone. And so there's this interesting balance, but there's these comments in the chat that I really want to get to Squatchy Inc. Who's a, who's a tattoo artist. He said, after working in the tattoo industry for 18 years, I've never felt the openness and encouragement, um, as I get from the comic world. I think I found my tribe. And then Scott replied and said, word, that's how I finally feel with comics. Um, still working out at all of it, but it feels good, you know. And then Squatchy Ink says, I love tattooing. I feel like I, I put it, uh, I feel, sorry, I tried to read up there. I love tattooing. I feel like I put it down, but as for my uh, love of art and comics, I've gotten more inspiration. And this, like, super reminds me of kind of like several things that have happened to me that all feel the same. And I think this might be a good way to um, gauge whether you're on the right track or not. Um, in my bachelor's degree, I changed my major five times. Um, and each time I walked in and I put everything I had into that particular degree and I just felt out of place. I felt like there were things about that major and I tried art and psychology and English and, um, university studies sort of business track. And then I ended up in, in communication and, uh, until I got into communication, I always felt like, 
a fish half out of water. I, I kind of belonged. People were nice. But then the thought of like doing that thing for 40 hours a week just felt so soul-crushingly horrible that that I was like, this can't be it, you know? And then I just felt like maybe my personality was such that I would never be satisfied with anything and maybe I was expecting too much. And, uh, and I actually do think that that is a personality trait that drives me is that I'm never satisfied. But at the same time, I switched my major to the comm department. And when I got there, I was like, hey, these are my people. They like talking about talking. They like talking about thinking, right? They like thinking about talking. Like this is, I love this. And I found it and it felt, I felt like I came home and it was really awesome. And then I spent the next, I don't know, eight to 12 years, um, doing things that surrounded the thing that I ended up finally falling in love with. I did photography. I made films. I, I, um, you know, I started several businesses that, that ultimately failed because I don't like sales. Um, you know, and I had the creative aspect of it and I wrote and I, I, you know, went on, I went on these journeys and I read books and I did all this stuff and I enjoyed it, but I never felt like I belonged in any of it until I finally decided, you know what, I'm going to draw. And I started drawing comics and I don't, it felt the same as when I, when I stepped into the comm department, it felt like this is where you need to be. This feels right. There was like an emptiness in me that began to be filled um, you know, in a way that was like very satisfying and exceptionally frustrating because yeah. that gap between what I want to produce and what I'm able to produce was, was a, a giant chasm at the time. And I've been closing that gap and moving the goalposts on myself ever since then. And I've, I've come to find huge satisfaction in that journey of progression understanding that I'm never going to reach the touchdown. I'm never going to finish that race, but I will continue to progress and get better. And so I, I throw that, I throw that out there because I think it's important that, you know, Josh and I are talking here and we're going to talk about cartooning and illustration and composition and ink and all of this stuff that we have found a home in and that we love. But that's not to say that that stuff is any better or any worse than anything else, because I know that there are people that uh, found like wood turning once they got a lathe and they found their calling, right? Or they, they, they do whatever and they come into it and they're like, finally, I feel like this is what I should be doing with my life. I feel like I finally belong in a situation rather than trying to fit into a situation. Yeah. So anyway, those are just a couple of stories that like came to mind. And I think it's important to kind of be aware of your self-talk and aware of like um, kind of that inner, that inner voice that, that you finally like you, when you finally achieve um, you know, which, which is really hard. And I hate the word passion because I, I don't feel like it fits, but when you find like your calling or that series of activities or that hobby where, um, or that job or that lifestyle where you feel like this is where I'm meant to be and this is what I'm meant to be doing, um, there's something so fulfilling about that that it like transcends materialism and capitalism to the point where you're willing to make sacrifices for that thing. Instead of chasing yeah. the emptiness of amassing things, you begin to become something rather than having things. Yeah, and I think... Um 
like to to kind of highlight too a little bit of what you were saying at the end there. Um, I think I think that's the thing you're going to notice about artists is like artists are rarely satisfied with commercial art. And I was a young artist who like forever was thinking you should get paid for everything you're doing. Like if you have something, make it a product. And it was a really valuable thing because when I got out of school, I was just hustling and getting paid to do art a lot and, and grew my illustration career a lot quicker than a lot of artists because I think a lot of artists might have maybe been a little more where I am now. Um, but I had this like desire to kind of get paid for everything. And if, if you weren't getting paid to draw, then why were you drawing? And, um, and what ended up happening was I ended up arriving at this thing that I used to be really critical of, which was the art for art's sake kind of thing. And what I've noticed is like, I rarely meet a seasoned artist who's like, you know, spent some times in the trenches doing commercial art who doesn't feel the same way. And, and it, it goes across the board to like guys who have what most people would consider like really dream jobs, you know, working on like big films um, sometimes even directing those films. And yet, like, most of them are always, like, wanting to put out something that's that's an expression that's beyond uh, money. And, and it's this weird thing. And I think that's because um, the thing that I've noticed that, that I would feel kind of ties in my tribe, and I, I'd include, like, you know, the, the type of people that I tend to get along with are not always artists, but they're, they're usually some kind of artist. Like mm. they're not always like a visual artist, but sometimes maybe they're writers. Um, they're people who want to make things um, just to make them and make them good. And then hopefully find an audience for those things and maybe money will follow. But um, I, to me, I guess what I'm getting at is like, um, you know, like the comics tribe is, is, is a neat tribe because there's not a ton of money in comics. And so what's unique about comics is um, mo- most people doing comics would like to do them for a living. But most people doing comics are really doing most of it out of passion, even professionally, um, because it's just a financial hit to do them, um, you know, professionally. So it's... It, it, it's one of those things where um, th- there's something great about that group of people who are just kind of making art and making it just to make it, to try to make it good and try to get it, get people to like it and try to get their voice or their story out there. And so, like, um, I, I, I feel like anybody who's, like, kind of, chasing money or chasing groups or like, you know, I'll even say like people who are maybe doing too many challenges, like maybe, you know, and I, I've seen this like on Instagram, like, you know, the artists who are just like, I'm going to do Inktober to get more hits. I'm going to do this challenge to get more hits. Mm-hmm. Don't get me wrong. We do challenges. We even like the 48 hour art check is a little bit of a challenge too. But my point is like, um, you know, make sure you're chasing the thing that you want to chase. Like I wouldn't personally, I, I would love to see more people do the 48 hour art check, but I'd be so bummed to find out <laughs> if somebody did it just for the sheer reason of like, 
that's a cool hashtag. Maybe that'll get me followers, you know, because <laughs> like the whole purpose of this is to like facilitate making more art and kind of keeping, um, keeping yourselves accountable to it. So like, to me, what I'm, I'm like, I was really excited to see, um, like Scott's channel, which I'm going to watch the rest of that video after this and other people who've taken on the challenge because they, they're sincerely like trying to make something. Yeah. And um, they're trying to use this as a vehicle to try to help facilitate that happening. That, that to me is like great. And like I said, um, I, I just, I think it's a good thing to occasionally question your motivations, you know, just to see, am I just kind of trying to be accepted by, uh, you know, the whole world or am I like trying to kind of find my crew, like my readers, my people, you know, yeah. Um, cause like, that's a totally different pursuit. And what, what I will say is the trying to find your people pursuit is a much more doable pursuit, you know? Yeah. Um, and I think, I think along those lines, I think it's important to note that, um, I don't believe either of us are advocating for kind of an extremism, uh, yeah. because I do have a problem with somebody who makes art for art's sake and that's the only thing they do and they use that yeah. as a bludgeon to other people who take money for their art or people who are you know balancing out between a commercial gig and and what they're doing on the side and somehow you get the idea that oh you know it's more pure to to starve and live in the woods and paint the things that you want to paint and don't show it to anybody because it's all for the sake of art I think that's just as bad as as the person who is on the opposite extreme that is like, you know, art has no value unless it sells and I'm only going to chase the cash and I'm only going to do, you know, what, what moves and, and nothing else and who cares about, you know, vulnerability or authenticity. I think both of those extremes are super problematic. And in the middle, and I say in the middle, meaning just inside of either one of those there is a huge spectrum. And I think yeah. your level of authenticity and your level of involvement is going to fall somewhere on that spectrum and it's going to be different, a different ratio for you than it is for everybody else. And it could yeah. be that, that your ratio is that you want to do like one watercolor on a Saturday uh, in the woods and then go be a lawyer the rest of the week. And if that is what feels right to you, then that's great. It could be that I knew a guy who, uh, because of the way he had kind of timed things in the in the marketplace, was able to um, sell his house um, and downgrade and buy outright a nice, you know, smaller house and only worked two days a week as a graphic designer and then spent five days a week doing whatever he wanted. Uh, he was a really interesting guy and I, he worked for me and he was such a good designer. I kept trying to push him to do more. And he, he basically just finally said, listen, dude, I will give you a hundred percent for two days a week, but that's it. I don't, I don't want to, nor do I need to do any more than that. And so there's kind of these two different extremes yeah. and anything within that range, if you feel like that is a balance that you can strike and you're not using your position on that spectrum to negate other people's position on that spectrum. It's really good. And, and I've seen, you see movie, uh, you see this in cinema a lot where you have actors or directors who they'll do a movie that is clearly a movie for the masses. It is yeah. clearly intended to be a giant blockbuster with no story 
that a ton of people are going to see and then forget about later. And then right after that, they'll do some weird indie film that's like super niche. And then they do a big blockbuster again. And it's called the one for you, one for me uh, kind of mentality where they strike this balance. And I see, and I know I've been talking about Sean Gordon Murphy a lot lately, but Sean Gordon Murphy does this, right? He does uh, a book for himself that is very personal and very weird. Um, And then he does Batman. And then he does another book from uh, Scotty Young, does the same thing. He spent he spent almost a decade doing The Wizard of Oz. Very clearly um, commercial adaptation of a very popular children's book. It was super popular. Every issue that he sold, the floppies didn't do too well, but the trade paperbacks killed every single time for a yeah. decade. And he and there's so many of those books that he could have kept going for for a long time. And then he was like, that's a good stopping point. And then he did I Hate Fairyland, and he's done all this weird stuff since then, and he just calls up Marvel and he says, hey, I want to write Rocket Raccoon, and I want to hire like Jake Parker to draw like this weird dream sec- sequence with Groot. Like, yeah. And he just kind of like, os- and so you see these people kind of oscillating back and forth, this this interesting balance of I'm going to take some freelance work, and then I'm going to do this uh, this ash can, and then I'm going yeah. to take this day job, and then in the evenings I'm going to do this autobiocomic. I'm going to do, I'm going to teach, and then I'm going to draw children's books and then i'm going to do this and then i'm going to animate it short and so i also i also do want to interject here too it's like if you look at just the two of us like neither of us are like going into poverty because of our art in fact we're using our art and our expertise of art to make a living and you know um like Corey with teaching with me with like in the most commercial way possible you know in the souvenir Mm -hmm. industry so it's like and, you know, and I'm glad because I have a special a specialty that allows me to um, earn a little bit more than your average Joe because I've, you know, acquired a certain set of skills. And I think that um, I think that there's a few things to kind of point out. Like one is that there's this myth of like Vincent Van Gogh um, that, you know, <laughs> he died in obscurity and and was just kind of making his art. Well, he did die in obscurity, and it's a very tragic story. But you got to understand, Vincent Van Gogh was hustling like crazy. Mm-hmm. He was trying to get into every gallery. Part of why he was depressed was like not a lot of people would have him, but he kept pressing on. He was like trying to build an artist community off the coast of Japan and networking with other artists. I'm not saying we should all aspire to be Van Gogh, but my point is like even Van Gogh didn't want to be a tree that just fell in the forest and made no sound. Right. And and I think that that's the point is like, um, you know, to me, I think there's sometimes too much value in the like online where it's like, if an image isn't liked a million times, it's not a great image, Yeah. but the adverse is quite often true where some of the best artists I know will get like three likes for an image they post and, and it, and it'll be better than, 80% of my feed of people I'm following, yeah. you know, it's just, um, but I, I, I agree. It's like, you want to find a balance. And honestly, like, um, I've had this talk with like people I graduated with, like most of my graduating class ended up working in art, but there was this period of time where a couple people just kind of dropped off and they had better skills than I did. Mm-hmm. And I, if, if I bumped into them today, 
and they weren't making a living doing art or like getting paid to do their art, I, I would have a really long, annoying conversation with them about how they should be making a living doing art because yeah. like your monetary value is better. Um, your, your life is better and you at least get to use your creativity at work, which is great. So to me, like I would think it's akin to like, you know, a tattooing gig. Like I know the tattoo industry can be pretty tough. It's an, it's an outsider lifestyle, but at the same time, it is a living. It's a specialty and you get to draw all day. You're not having to lay bricks. (laughs) You know, you're not like bruising yourself every day you go to work. You're not like slaving away in the hot sun. And, and that's a pretty good like thing to do for a career. So, um, so my point is like, you know, I, I, I agree with Corey. I think it's smart to do both. Like, and if you can find a way to do the thing, that's the thing that's just purely authentic and get paid for it. I think that's the sweet spot that most of, um, you know, what I would call my tribe is like kind of going after where it's like, you know, somewhere there's got to be this like kind of sweet spot where you get to do um, the thing that you would do anyway um, for, for money. That's, I think that's kind of the goal there. Yeah. Anyhow, I hope uh, we didn't get uh, too sidetracked or anything. No, um, Scott says uh, White Knight, which is the which is the book that uh, Sean Gordon Murphy did for Batman, was awesome, and I agree, it was really good. And the new Scotty Young book uh, that he wrote is pretty great, Middle West. And then Victor Rodriguez said those are valid points about the two extremes, about doing art for the sake of art and doing art for just a paycheck. There needs to be a balance between the two. At least that's what I think. I think that as well. Um, And then Scott said, yeah, Victor, I think the balance becomes the key word for artists and for everybody else, too. And I think um, I think there's a there's a term that I've heard in martial arts, not that I take martial arts. Uh, I'll I'll, I'll tell you where this comes from so that I'm being honest. Uh, I was paid to film a business conference. So this is where I'm stealing this from. Uh, I I went to this business conference uh, two weeks a month for 14 months straight for this one job. And I flew there every time and lived in a hotel for half a year. Um, Anyway, and I I sat there and I listened to this guy and he was, he did judo. he, He professionally, he played rugby professionally or whatever. But he said that, uh, he said that part of, part of judo is centering where, where you find, you find your center where you find your balance because judo is about taking your opponent's energy and kind of throwing them off balance while you maintain your balance. And uh, the interesting thing about it was he said, it's not that you um, strike a balance and stay there. It's that you strike a balance and you center yourself and you recognize when you're off and you recenter. And he says finding a balance is not a, is not a state of mind as much as it is constantly recentering yeah. so that you can you can continue to to adjust. And I think that's the key with that balance, right? Is it's going to be different for everybody, but it's also going to be different for each individual at different points and times in their life. There's going to be yeah. times where you need to adjust a little bit towards the one side or a little bit towards the other side or like when I got my masters, I was in the middle of doing my webcomic and I had to completely abandon that comic. My masters was in illustration. Um, kind of the intersection of illustration and graphic design. Um, and and so I was still doing creative things, um, but I had to shift. I had to shift away from doing what I wanted to do to doing what I had to do and so that I could have more time to do what I wanted to do later. And 
but I still felt I still felt balanced and centered doing that. And so I think it's one of those that recentering often is important. Um, and it's not to say that like if you do sixty percent of this and forty percent of this, then you'll be balanced and it'll be okay. Um, that might be it for Tuesday, but what happens on a Thursday? Or what happens next year? Or what happens when you have a baby? Or what happens when you get married? Or what happens when you yeah. hurt your hand? You know, or what happens when, like, to pay the bills, you have to make a series of choices that seriously limits your free time. Um, there, there's always going to be a position that you take that is going to to balance and recenter. Um, yeah. It's not. It's not that there's just a road and you stay on that road and you're good to go. It's that. Uh, it's that you have to come to that road and notice when you're off of it every single time and come back to it. And the road will shift and change and turn. Um, and, and as long as you're spend as much time on it or crossing it as you possibly can, then then you're going to be better off than not. Yeah, so it's like that Zen Buddhist idea of being like water, which is really, really hard for, I think, the types of personalities that are drawn to cartooning. Like, for me, I'm really a big person on control and kind of, um, like, I really like controlling my story. I really like controlling art. And so going into an art directorial position, that was a really hard thing because a lot of it's completely out of your control and has more to do with how flexible you are and how quick you can be with, like, kind of correcting, course correcting and problem solving. And so it's like – and problem solving on the fly. And um, and there's a lot of that in the, the process of cartooning, but you're in much more control. And so I think that um, that's a really good thing to kind of mention the kind of balance thing because – that definitely tends to be a struggle with like most artists I know, most cartoonists I know, especially younger artists, um, because you know life throws you curveballs and you kind of have to adapt. And then if you want to keep doing this thing and live kind of sustainably as an artist um, in whatever way, even if you're like you know waiting tables, but you still want sustainable input of art, um, it, it, it becomes more and more challenging the further you get. And so like. If you're not flexible and you're not kind of learning that balance, then um, you can quickly find yourself like falling over on the mat, kind of figure like trying to figure out what happened. And um, uh, I, th- I think that's a pretty good point for us to kind of yeah. kind of end up on. Um, Victor was saying change is constant, and you have to be able to adjust accordingly if you want to maintain that balance. Yes, and. Uh, yeah, enter the dragon. It is like a finger pointed away the moon. Do not concentrate on the finger or you'll miss all the heavenly glory. Oh. <laughs> anyway, all right. Um, yeah, that's correct. So, so yeah, um, uh, you can find my work at quarterlystories.com. You can find Corey's work at coreykerr.com. You can follow us uh, on Twitter. It's 48-Hour Art Check on Twitter. 48-Hour Art Check, all spelled out with no spaces. Boom. So follow that on Twitter. And then if you can, uh, if you're listening to this on iTunes, leave us a five-star rating and a nice review. We noticed a little uptick in the listeners, and we appreciate it. Subscribe um, wherever you get your podcasts. And um, uh, I feel like I'm forgetting something. Is there something else? (laughs) Uh, 
I don't know. I think we both need to. We've we've been talking about doing sleep as a topic, probably because of the need for sleep. So I don't know. Yeah, that let's uh, subscribe. Subscribe to Josh on on YouTube and ring that bell, and me on YouTube and ring that bell. And uh, if you want an extra notification, you can you can hit us up on Twitter. Um, also, if you have. Uh, questions or topics or comments and you want to continue this conversation, you can do that in the chats or you can have kind of an ongoing conversation on Twitter. Um, Josh and I will both have access to that account. And so, um, you know, if you want to, if you, if you want to jump on or just trying to expand the, expand the conversation, because especially the last several shows, I feel like um, the audience participation has really, like leveled the show up and, and made it really awesome. Cause um, yeah. if I'm just talking to myself or if Josh and I are just talking to each other, it's not as good as like, you know, I, I think six heads are better than two and two are better than one. And I don't know. Agreed. Yeah. You cut off one head and it grows back two. or I don't, I'm not sure. But anyway, uh, j- jump on Twitter, jump on here. Um, and if you have any future topic ideas, we'd love to hear them. You guys are awesome. If you haven't done a 48 hour art check yet, try it out. Um, grab a buddy and do it and go live and tell us about it so that we can help you promote it. And we'll see you guys yes. in a couple days. Yes.